Chapter Thirty Three of Ivanhoe. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Ivanhoe by Sir Walter Scott. Chapter Thirty Three. Flower of warriors, how is't with Titus Lardius? Marcius, as with a man busied about decrees, condemning some to death and some to exile ransoming him or pitying, threatening the other. Coriolanus. The captive abbot's features and manners exhibited a whimsical mixture of offended pride and deranged foppery and bodily terror. Why, how now, my masters, said he, with a voice in which all three emotions were blended. What order is this among ye? Be ye Turks or Christians that handle a churchman? Know ye what it is? Manus imponere in servos domini? Ye have plundered my mails, torn my cope of curious cut lace, which might have served a cardinal. Another in my place would have been at his excommunicabo vos. But I am placible, and if ye order forth my palfreys, release my brethren, and restore my mails, tell down with all speed an hundred crowns to be expended in masses at the high altar of Jorval Abbey, and make your vow to eat no venison until next Pentecost, it may be you shall hear little more of this mad frolic. Holy Father, said the chief outlaw, it grieves me to think that you have met with such usage from any of my followers, as calls for your fatherly reprehension. Usage, echoed the priest, encouraged by the mild tone of the sylvan leader. It were usage fit for no hound of good race, much less for a Christian, far less for a priest, and least of all for the prior of the holy community of Jorval. Here is a profane and drunken minstrel called Alan Adale, Nebulo Quidum, who has menaced me with corporal punishment, nay, with death itself, and I not pay down four hundred crowns of ransom, to the boot of all the treasure he hath already robbed me of, gold chains and jimmel rings to an unknown value, besides what is broken and spoiled among their rude hands, such as my pouncer-box and silver crisping-tongues. It is impossible that Alan Adale can have thus treated a man of your reverend bearing, replied the captain. It is true as the gospel of St. Nicodemus, said the prior. He swore with many a cruel north-country oath that he would hang me up on the highest tree of the greenwood. Did he so in very deed? Nay, then, reverend father, I think you had better comply with his demands, for Alan a Dale is the very man to abide by his word when he has so pledged it. You do but jest with me, said the astounded prior with a forced laugh, and I love the good jest with all my heart. But, ha, 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 when the mirth has lasted the live-long night, it is time to be grave in the morning. And I am as grave as a father confessor, replied the outlaw. You must pay a round ransom, Sir Prior, or your convent is likely to be called to a new election, for your place will know you no more. Are ye Christians, said the prior, and hold this language to a churchman? Christians, ay, merry are we, and have divinity among us to boot, answered the outlaw. Let our buxom chaplain stand forth, and expound to this reverend father the texts which concern this matter. The friar, half drunk, half sober, had huddled a friar's frock over his green cassock, and now summoning together whatever scraps of learning he had acquired by rote in former days, Holy Father, said he, Deus faciat salvum benigna tetum vestrum, you are welcome to the greenwood. What profane mummery is this, said the prior, Friend, if thou beest indeed of the church, it were a better deed to show me how I may escape from these men's hands than to stand ducking and grinning here like a Morris dancer. 
Truly, reverend father, said the friar, I know but one mode in which thou mayest escape. This is St. Andrew's day with us, we are taking our tithes. But not of the church, then, I trust, my good brother, said the prior. Of church and lay, said the friar, and therefore, Sir Prior, facite vobis amicos de mamone inquitatis, make yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, for no other friendship is like to serve your turn. I love a jolly woodsman at heart, said the prior, softening his tone. Come, ye must not deal too hard with me. I can well of woodcraft, and can wind a horn clear and lustily, and hallo till every oak rings again. Come, ye must not deal too hard with me. Give him a horn, said the outlaw, we will prove the skill he boasts of. The prior aimer winded a blast accordingly. The captain shook his head. Sir prior, he said, thou blowest a merry note, but it may not ransom thee. We cannot afford, as the legend on a good knight's shield hath it, to set thee free for a blast. Moreover, I have found thee, thou art one of those who, with new French graces and trolley raws, disturb the ancient English bugle-notes. Prior, that last flourish on the recheat hath added fifty crowns to thy ransom, for corrupting the true old manly blasts of venery. Well, friend, said the abbot peevishly, thou art ill to please with thy woodcraft. I pray thee be more conformable in this matter of my ransom. At a word, since I must needs for once hold a candle to the devil, what ransom am I to pay for walking on Watling Street without having fifty men at my back? Were it not well, said the lieutenant of the gang apart to the captain, that the prior should name the Jew's ransom, and the Jew name the prior's? Thou art a mad knave, said the captain, but thy plan transcends. Here, Jew, step forth. Look at that holy father Aymer, prior of the rich abbey of Jorval, and tell us at what ransom we should hold him. Thou knowest the income of his convent, I warrant thee. Oh, assuredly, said Isaac. I have trafficked with the good fathers, and bought wheat and barley and fruits of the earth, and also much wool. Oh, it is a rich abbeystead, and they do live upon the fat, and drink the sweet wines upon the lees, these good fathers of Jorval. Ah, if an outcast like me had such a home to go to, and such incomings by the year and by the month, I would pay much gold and silver to redeem my captivity. Hound of a Jew! exclaimed the prior. No one knows better than thy own cursed self, that our holy house of God is indebted for the finishing of our chancel, and for the storing of your cellars in the last season with the due allowance of Gascon wine, interrupted the Jew, but that, that is small matters. Hear the infidel dog, said the churchman. He jangles as if our holy community did come under debts for the wines we have a license to drink, propter necessitatum et ad frigis de pelendum. The circumcised villain blasphemeth the holy church, and Christian men listen and rebuke him not. All this helps nothing, said the leader. Isaac, pronounce what he may pay without flaying both hide and hair. And six hundred crowns, said Isaac, the good prior might well pay to your honoured valours, and never sit less soft in his stall. Six hundred crowns, said the leader gravely. I am contented. Thou hast well spoken, Isaac. Six hundred crowns. It is a sentence, Sir Prior. A sentence, a sentence, exclaimed the band. Solomon had not done it better. Thou hearest thy doom, prior, said the leader. Ye are mad, my masters, said the prior. Where am I to find such a sum? If I sell the very picks and candlesticks on the altar at Jorval, I shall scarce raise the half, and it will be necessary for that purpose that I go to Jorval myself. Ye may retain as borrows my two priests. 
That will be but blind trust, said the outlaw. We will retain thee, prior, and send them to fetch thy ransom. Thou shalt not want a cup of wine and collop of venison the while, and if thou lovest woodcraft, thou shalt see such as your north country never witnessed. Or, if so please you, said Isaac, willing to curry a favour with the outlaws, I can send to York for the six hundred crowns, out of certain monies in my hands, if so be that the most reverend prior present will grant me acquittance. He shall grant thee whatever thou dost list, Isaac, said the captain, and thou shalt lay down the redemption money for prior Amor as well as for thyself. For myself, ah, courageous sirs, said the Jew, I am a broken and impoverished man. A beggar's staff must be my portion through life, supposing I were to pay you fifty crowns. The prior shall judge of that matter, replied the captain. How say you, Father Amor, can the Jew afford a good ransom? Can he afford a ransom? answered the prior. Is he not the Isaac of York, rich enough to redeem the captivity of the ten tribes of Israel, who were led into Assyrian bondage? I have seen but little of him myself, but our cellarer and treasurer have dealt largely with him, and report says that his house at York is so full of gold and silver, as is a shame in any Christian land. Marvel it is to all living Christian hearts that such gnawing adders should be suffered to eat into the bowels of the state, and even of the holy church itself, with foul usuries and extortions. Hold, father, said the Jew, mitigate and assuage your collar. I pray for your reverence to remember that I force my monies upon no one. But when churchman and layman, prince and prior, knight and priest, come knocking to Isaac's door, they borrow not his shekels with these uncivil terms. It is then, Friend Isaac, will you pleasure us in this matter, and our day shall be truly kept, so God say me. And, Kind Isaac, if ever you served man, show yourself a friend in this need. And when the day comes, and I ask my own, then what hear I but damned Jew, and the curse of Egypt on your tribe, and all that may stir up the rude and uncivil populace against poor strangers? Prior, said the captain, Jew though he be, he hath in this spoken well. Do thou, therefore, name his ransom, as he named thine, without further rude terms. None but latrophomosis, the interpretation whereof, said the prior, will I give at some other time and tide, would place a Christian prelate and an unbaptized Jew upon the same bench. But since ye require me to put a price upon this caitiff, I tell you openly that ye will wrong yourselves if you take from him a penny under a thousand crowns. A sentence, a sentence, exclaimed the chief outlaw, a sentence, a sentence, shouted his assessors. The Christian has shown his good nurture, and dealt with us more generously than the Jew. The God of my fathers help me, said the Jew. Will ye bear to the ground an impoverished creature? I am this day childless, and will ye deprive me of the means of livelihood? Thou wilt have the less to provide for, Jew, if thou art childless, said Amor. Alas, my lord, said Isaac, your law permits you not to know how the child of our bosom is entwined with the strings of our heart. O oh, Rebecca, laughter of my beloved Rachel, were each leaf of that tree a zechin, and each zechin mine own, all that mass of wealth would I give to know whether thou art alive and escaped the hands of the Nazarene. Was not thy daughter dark-haired, said one of the outlaws, and wore she not a veil of twisted sendal embroidered with silver? She did, she did, said the old man, trembling with eagerness, as formerly with fear. The blessing of Jacob be upon thee. Canst thou tell me aught of her safety? It was she, then, said the yeoman, who was carried off by the proud Templar when he broke through our ranks on yester even. I had drawn my bow to send a shaft after him, 
but spared him even for the sake of the damsel, who I feared might take harm from the arrow. Oh, answered the Jew, I would to God thou hadst shot, though the arrow had pierced her bosom. Better the tomb of her fathers than the dishonorable couch of the licentious and savage Templar. Ichabod, Ichabod, the glory hath departed from my house. Friends, said the chief, looking around, the old man is but a Jew, none the less his grief touches me. Deal uprightly with us, Isaac. Will paying this ransom of a thousand crowns leave thee altogether penniless? Isaac, recalled to think of his worldly goods, the love of which, by dint of inveterate habit, contended even with his parental affection, grew pale, stammered, and could not deny there might be some small surplus. Well, go to, what though there be, said the outlaw, we will not reckon with thee too closely. Without treasure thou mayest as well hope to redeem thy child from the clutches of Sir Brian de Bois-Gilbert, as to shoot a stag royal with a headless shaft. We will take thee with the same ransom with Prior Aymer, or rather at one hundred crowns lower, which hundred crowns shall be mine own peculiar loss, and not light upon this worshipful community. And so we shall avoid the heinous offence of rating a Jew merchant as high as a Christian prelate, and thou wilt have six hundred crowns remaining to treat for thy daughter's ransom. Templars love the glitter of silver shekels as well as the sparkle of black eyes. Hasten to make thy crowns chink in the ear of de Bois-Gilbert, ere worse comes of it. Thou wilt find him, as our scouts have brought notice, at the next preceptory house of his order. Said I well, my merry mates? The yeomen expressed their wanted acquiescence in their leader's opinion, and Isaac, relieved of one half of his apprehensions, by learning that his daughter lived, and might possibly be ransomed, threw himself at the feet of the generous outlaw, and, rubbing his beard against his buckskins, sought to kiss the hem of his green cassock. The captain drew himself back, and extricated himself from the Jew's grasp, not without some marks of contempt. Nay, beshrew thee, man, up with thee. I am English-born, and love no such eastern prostrations. Kneel to God, and not to a poor sinner like me. I, Jew, said Prior Aymer, kneel to God, as represented in the servant of his altar, and who knows, with thy sincere repentance and due gifts to the shrine of St. Robert, what grace thou mayest acquire for thyself and thy daughter Rebecca. I grieve for the maiden, for she is of fair and comely countenance. I beheld her in the lists of Ashby. Also Brian de Bois-Gilbert is one with whom I may do much. Bethink thee how thou mayest deserve my good word with him. Alas, alas, said the Jew, on every hand the spoilers arise against me. I am given as a prey unto the Assyrian, and a prey unto him of Egypt. And what else should be the lot of thy accursed race? answered the prior. For what saith holy writ, Verbum domini projocurant, et sapientia est nulla in ace. They have cast forth the word of the Lord, and there is no wisdom in them. Propterea dabo molieris eroum ex terris. I will give their women to strangers, that is to the Templar, as in the present matter, at thesaros eorum heredebus alienus, and their treasures to others, as in the present case to these honest gentlemen. Isaac groaned deeply, and began to wring his hands, and to relapse into a state of desolation and despair, but the leader of the yeomen led him aside. Advise thee well, Isaac, said Locksley, what thou wilt do in this matter. My counsel to thee is to make a friend of this churchman. He is vain, Isaac, and he is covetous, at least he needs money to supply his profusion. Thou canst easily gratify his greed, for think not that I am blinded by thy pretexts of poverty. I am intimately acquainted, Isaac, with the very iron chest in which thou dost keep thy money-bags. 
What, know I not the great stone beneath the apple tree that leads into the vaulted chamber under thy garden at York? The Jew grew pale as death. But fear nothing from me, continued the yeoman, for we are of old acquainted. Dost thou not remember the sick yeoman whom thy fair daughter Rebecca redeemed from the gyves at York, and kept him in thy house till his health was restored, when thou didst dismiss him recovered and with a piece of money? Usurer as thou art, thou didst never place coin at better interest than that poor silver mark, for it has this day saved thee five hundred crowns. And thou art he whom we called Deacon Ben the Bow, said Isaac. I thought ever I knew the accent of thy voice. I am Ben the Bow, said the captain, and Loxley, and have a good name besides all these. But thou art mistaken, good Ben the Bow, concerning that same vaulted apartment. So help me heaven, as there is not in it but some merchandises, which I will gladly part with to you. One hundred yards of Lincoln green to make doublets to thy men, and a hundred staves of Spanish yew to make bows, and a hundred silken bowstrings, tough, round, and sound, these I will send thee for thy good will, honest deacon, and thou wilt keep silence about the vault, my good deacon. Silent as a dormouse, said the outlaw, and never trust me, but I am grieved for thy daughter. But I may not help it. The Templar's lances are too strong for my archery in the open field. They would scatter us like dust. Had I but known it was Rebecca when she was borne off, something might have been done. But now thou must needs proceed by policy. Come, shall I treat for thee with the prior? In God's name, Deacon, and thou canst, aid me to recover the child of my bosom. Do not thou interrupt me with thine ill-timed avarice, said the outlaw, and I will deal with him in thy behalf. He then turned from the Jew, who followed him, however, as closely as his shadow. Prior Aymer, said the captain, come apart with me under this tree. Men say thou dost love wine, and a lady's smile, better than beseems thy order, sir priest, but with that I have not to do. I have heard, too, thou dost love a brace of good dogs, and a fleet horse, and it may well be that, loving things which are costly to come by, thou hatest not a purse of gold but I have never heard that thou didst love oppression or cruelty. Now here is Isaac willing to give thee the means of pleasure and pastime in a bag containing one hundred marks of silver, if thy intercession with thine ally the Templar shall avail to procure the freedom of his daughter. In safety and honor, as when taken from me, said the Jew, otherwise it is no bargain. Peace, Isaac, said the outlaw, or I give up thine interest. What say you to this my purpose, prior Aymer? The matter, quoth the prior, is of a mixed condition, for, if I do a good deal on the one hand, yet on the other, it goeth to the vantage of a Jew, and in so much is against my conscience. Yet, if the Israelite will advantage the church by giving me somewhat over to the building of our door-tour, I will take it on my conscience to aid him in the matter of his daughter. For a score of marks to the door-tour, said the outlaw, be still, I say, Isaac, or for a brace of silver candlesticks to the altar, we will not stand with you. Nay, but, good deacon, bend the bow, said Isaac, endeavouring to interpose. Good Jew, good beast, good earthworm, said the yeoman, losing patience. And thou dost go on to put thy filthy lucre in the balance with thy daughter's life and honour. By heaven I will strip thee of every maravedi thou hast in the world, before three days are out. Isaac shrunk together and was silent. "'And what pledge am I to have for all this?' said the prior. "'When Isaac returns successful through your mediation,' said the outlaw, "'I swear by St. Hubert, I will see that he pays thee the money in good silver, "'or I will reckon with him for it in such sort, "'he had better have paid twenty such sums.' 
Well then, Jew, said Aymer, since I must needs meddle in this matter, let me have the use of thy writing tablets, though, hold, rather than use thy pen, I would fast for twenty-four hours, and where shall I find one? If your holy scruples can dispense with using the Jew's tablets, for the pen I can find a remedy, said the yeoman, and bending his bow, he aimed his shaft at a wild goose which was soaring over their heads, the advanced guard of a phalanx of his tribe, which were winging their way to the distant and solitary fens of Holderness. The bird came fluttering down, transfixed with the arrow. There, prior, said the captain, are quills enough to supply all the monks of Jorval for the next hundred years, and they take not to writing chronicles. The prior sat down, and at great leisure indicted an epistle to Brian de Bois-Gilbert, and having carefully sealed up the tablets, delivered them to the Jew, saying, This will be thy safe conduct to the preceptory of Templestowe, and, as I think, is most likely to accomplish the delivery of thy daughter, if it be well backed with proffers of advantage and commodity at thine own hand. For, trust me well, the good knight Bois-Gilbert is of their confraternity that do not for naught. Well, prior, said the outlaw, I will detain thee no longer here than to give the Jew a quittance for the six hundred crowns at which thy ransom is fixed. I accept of him for my paymaster, and if I hear the e-boggle at allowing him in his accounts the sum so paid by him, St. Mary refuse me, and I burn not the abbey over thine head, though I hang ten years the sooner. With a much worse grace than that therewith he had penned the letter to Bois-Gilbert, the prior wrote an acquittance, discharging Isaac of York of six hundred crowns, advanced to him in his need for acquittal of his ransom, and faithfully promising to hold true compte with him for that sum. And now, said Prior Aymer, I will pray you of restitution of my mules and palfreys, and the freedom of the reverend brethren attending upon me, and also of the jimmel rings, jewels, and fair vestures, of which I have been despoiled, having now satisfied you for my ransom as a true prisoner. Touching your brethren, Sir Prior, said Locksley, they shall have present freedom, it were unjust to detain them. Touching your horses and mules, they shall also be restored, with such spending money as may enable you to reach York, for it were cruel to deprive you of the means of journeying. But as concerning rings, jewels, chains, and what else, you must understand that we are men of tender consciences, and will not yield to a venerable man like yourself, who should be dead to the vanities of this life, the strong temptation to break the rule of his foundation by wearing rings, chains, or other vain gods." Think what you do, my masters, said the prior, ere you put your hand on the church's patrimony. These things are interes sacras, and I wot not what judgment might ensue were they to be handled by laical hands. I will take care of that, reverend prior, said the hermit of Cotmanhurst, for I will wear them myself. Friend or brother, said the prior, in answer to the solution of his doubts, if thou hast really taken religious orders, I pray thee to look how thou wilt answer to thine official for the share thou hast taken in this day's work. Friend Prior, returned the hermit, you are to know that I belong to a little diocese, where I am my own diocesan, and care as little for the Bishop of York as I do for the Abbot of Jorval, the Prior, and all the convent. Thou art utterly irregular, said the Prior, one of those disorderly men, who, taking on them the sacred character without due cause, profane the holy rites, and endanger the souls of those who take counsel at their hands. Lapides pro pain condonates iis, giving them stones instead of bread, as the Vulgate hath it. Nay, said the friar, and my brain-pan could have been broken by Latin, it had not held so long together. 
I say that easing a world of such misproud priests as thou art of their jewels and their gimcracks is a lawful spoiling of the Egyptians. Thou beest a hedge-priest, said the prior in great wrath, excommunicabo vos. Thou beest thyself more like a thief and a heretic, said the friar, equally indignant. I will pouch up no such affront before my parishioners, as thou thinkest it not shame to put upon me, although I be a reverend brother to thee. Osa ejus perfringum, I will break your bones, as the Vulgate hath it. Hola, cried the captain, come the reverend brethren to such terms? Keep thine assurance of peace, friar. Prior, and thou hast not made thy peace perfect with God, provoke the friar no further. Hermit, let the reverend brother depart in peace as a ransomed man. The yeomen separated the incensed priests, who continued to raise their voices, vituperating each other in bad Latin, which the prior delivered the more fluently, and the hermit with the greater vehemence. The prior at length recollected himself sufficiently to be aware that he was compromising his dignity by squabbling with such a hedge-priest as the outlaw's chaplain, and being joined by his attendants, rode off with considerably less pomp, and in a much more apostolical condition, so far as worldly matters were concerned, than he had exhibited before this recounter. It remained that the Jew should produce some security for the ransom which he was to pay on the prior's account, as well as upon his own. He gave, accordingly, an order sealed with his signet to the brother of his tribe at York, requiring him to pay to the bearer the sum of a thousand crowns, and to deliver certain merchandises specified in the note. My brother Shiva, he said, groaning deeply, hath the key of my warehouses. And of the vaulted chamber, whispered Loxley. No, no, may heaven forfend, said Isaac. Evil is the hour that let any one whomsoever into that secret. It is safe with me, said the outlaw, so be that this thy scroll produce the sum therein nominated and set down. But what now, Isaac? Art dead? Art stupefied? Hath the payment of a thousand crowns put thy daughter's peril out of thy mind? The Jew started to his feet. No, Deacon, no. I will presently set forth. Farewell, thou whom I may not call good, and dare not and will not call evil. Yet ere Isaac departed, the outlaw chief bestowed on him this parting advice. Be liberal of thine offers, Isaac, and spare not thy purse for thy daughter's safety. Credit me that the gold thou shalt spare in her cause will hereafter give thee as much agony as if it were poured molten down thy throat. Isaac acquiesced with a deep groan, and set forth on his journey, accompanied by two tall foresters, who were to be his guides, and at the same time his guards through the wood. The black knight, who had seen with no small interest these various proceedings, now took his leave of the outlaw in turn, nor could he avoid expressing his surprise at having witnessed so much of civil policy amongst persons cast out from all the ordinary protection and influence of the laws. Good fruit, sir knight, said the yeoman, will sometimes grow on a sorry tree, and evil times are not always productive of evil alone and unmixed. Amongst those who are drawn into this lawless state, there are, doubtless, numbers who wish to exercise its license with some moderation, and some who regret, it may be, that they were obliged to follow such a trade at all. And to one of those, said the knight, I am now, I presume, speaking? Sir knight, said the outlaw, we have each our secret. You are welcome to form your judgment of me, and I may use my conjectures touching you, though neither of our shafts may hit the mark they are shot at. But as I do not pray to be admitted into your mystery, be not offended that I preserve my own. I crave pardon, brave outlaw, said the knight, 
your reproof is just. But it may be we shall meet hereafter with less of concealment on either side. Meanwhile we part friends, do we not? There is my hand upon it, said Locksley, and I will call it the hand of a true Englishman, though an outlaw for the present. And there is mine in return, said the knight, and I hold it honored by being clasped with yours. For he that does good, having the unlimited power to do evil, deserves praise not only for the good which he performs, but for the evil which he forbears. Fare thee well, gallant outlaw. Thus parted that fair fellowship, and he of the fetterlock, mounting upon his strong war-horse, rode off through the forest. End of chapter 33